Welcome to the Tideline Talks podcast, where we discuss all things related to sports medicine, health and wellness. We dispel common myths and misconceptions regarding healthcare, and we do it in a way that's easy to understand. It's hosted by yours truly, Dr. Michael Scalfani, founder of Tideline Sports Performance and Rehabilitation. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Tideline Talks podcast. Today, I'm joined by Carolyn Rennick, who's a local running coach in the Sarasota Bradenton area. So thanks, Carolyn, for coming aboard. Thanks for having me, Michael. You are most welcome. So Carolyn, let's just start it off with tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us your background, where you're from originally, and how you got into uh, Sarasota. I am from Maynard, Massachusetts, which is um, about 30 miles west of Boston. Um, I grew up there and went to college in Vermont, and um, upon graduating college, I moved out to Chicago, where I later met my husband, and his company moved us down to Florida about six years ago. Oh, great. What part of uh, Florida? Did you go straight to the Gulf Coast here, or did you end up going somewhere else? uh, Yes, we settled in Bradenton, and we have been here since with our four kids. Awesome, awesome. Remind us how old your kids are. Um, my kids are 12, 11, 8, and 7. You have a whole litter. Of that <laughs> sounds like they keep you busy, too, yes. which is great. Great. Yes. So um, tell us a little bit about uh, what sports you played growing up. What's your athletic background? Were you I, always a runner? I was a gymnast mostly. Um, I started at 7. I went all the way through high school. I did private gymnastics through my freshman year in high school, and then I just performed with my high school team from that point on. Um, I guess I, you could say I was always running though, um, during my childhood and, and into high school. Um, I would, my aunt is a big runner. Um, she's done about 12 Boston marathons and probably 30 marathons altogether. And my father did about eight Boston marathons. So running was always visible to me and it was something that I did but never really thought about it and I would run routes in my town and have my parents drive the mileage and just something I would do on my own kind of just when I needed something to do so sure sure well those are so two dynamically different sports right gymnastics is so explosive I mean yes you could argue that there is an endurance component to you know say the floor routine or Mm -hmm. something like that but then you know when you look at say a couple minutes on the floor uh, on a tumbling routine versus you know a few hours running straight all through the city of Boston right how did you make that transition from such a powerful dynamic sport to uh, more of that endurance steady state sport I think it was just a natural progression for me because while gymnastics is really only division one in college um, and my school did not have it nor was I division one material but um, (laughs) it was always well I can run I have you know I might be in Vermont running up a mountain but uh, I can still you know put on my shoes and go out and run with friends so that was something that was always like, you know, it was easy for me. It wasn't any anything that I saw as difficult. So it was just like an easy way to stay in shape in college. So. And I think I think you just hit the nail on the head with a lot of reasons why people like running. Like I think, um, you know, some of the other activities that you could do require equipment. They require a particular class or a time to sign up. There are a few other organizational constructs that may 
hinder people from actually going through and to a class or to the gym versus running you can you don't even need music if you don't want to you literally just need a pair of shoes and potentially uh if you're like me you need a gps or a map so you don't get lost but other than that i mean it's such a it seems so simplistic right you lace up you put one foot in front of the other maybe a watch if you want to keep time other than that you just some people just like to space out and i think that you know the the runners uh that we see tend to have that they love that simplicity that you just mentioned so um tell us a little bit more about some of the running coaching and how you got involved in transitioning from you know running yourself as a hobby into now saying okay this is really cool i think i want to start to help other people with their running well i guess it's just from a lot of people would see me out and I would be for years be pushing my kids in the double running stroller or <laughs> they would just know that I was always out running. So a lot of people kind of came to me for advice and whether it was shoes or how how they should be training or what they should do to become a better runner. And I would always find myself giving advice to people, whether I kind of knew them or I knew them really well, they would always come to me, I guess, because they knew I spent so much time on it. Um, So once my youngest went to school full time, I started looking into it and I wanted to help other people become better runners because I feel like if they had the right tools and knowledge, they could become so much better. A lot of people think they they can't run they can't run five miles they can't run a marathon and really they can they just need to you know apply more time and effort to the to the process it's a such a incremental process it's such a building uh, a sport where it just requires such a steady build that people don't really associate that with going out and running marathon they just see the end result and not all the parts that go into it so Exactly. And, you know, there used to be that old rule. It was the 10% rule, right? Don't increase your mileage by 10% each week, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know, does that still hold true at all? You know, or? it's it's good for injury prevention and um, just, you know, too much too fast. When you're, I'm doing a plan right now and I'm trying to hover in that range just because um, a woman that I'm training is doing two marathons within six weeks. So mm-hmm. with her build and her duration, you know, I have to be careful about, you know, getting her to two finish lines, not just one. So, yeah. you know, in this case, I'm really kind of sticking to that range so that we can get her to both finish lines. Sure. And then your your running coaching is is so unique because I feel like you – you take a good uh, impression on doing in-person and remote coaching. So tell us a little bit about what it's like to run with uh, somebody that you're coaching. I mean, that's got to be such a, a unique experience for both you and the person that you're coaching, right? Yeah, I started doing it last spring. Um, and I just find that so much of running, you can just... I mean, it's, there's so much observable. You can coach someone from afar, but, you know, you can tell them form cues and you can tell them breathing cues and just, you know, there's um, how to stretch muscles more effectively or, you know, lengthen their stride. And you really can't do that behind a computer writing out a, a race plan for somebody. Right. There's so many aspects of running to help improve someone's form that will improve their endurance that will improve their race times and it's just really something that you have to 
um, observe them in person, I feel. So a lot of times I am able to do that. Um, and then you can just help them along their journey in person. So. And that's great. I think what's, what's really cool is, I mean, how awesome would that be to have your coach with you one-on-one for you're probably running at least 30 minutes. I mean, I don't know how long many of the running bouts are, but to have somebody literally right there and, you know, I'm sure you're not coaching the whole time. I'm sure it's a little bit of, you know, making small talk, getting to know them and, but building that, client coach relation you guys must be super tight by the time that you yeah i like it a lot of times i am talking to distract them (laughs) from how far they've been going or so they will go further but at the same time i'm observing their their strike and i'm observing their breathing and i'm observing where they're holding their arms or how where their head is and i'm not letting them really know that i'm doing that but i'm (laughs) you know taking it all in from (laughs) a sideways glance and then I'll give them, you don't want to like inundate them with directions the whole time, but you know, if something I can incorporate in, uh, into the conversation about other things, (laughs) I'll throw it in there. That's great. So tell us about some of the uh, clientele that you have with your running coaching. Do you, um, do you have a specific target avatar or is just anybody who wants to lace up and go? Yeah, You know, I am, I am happy to work with anyone. I, I've worked with people that couldn't thought they couldn't run more than one mile and I got we were able to work towards a half marathon together and now we're oh, wow. potentially talking about a marathon next January. So, so you got somebody from that like couch to 5k category running yeah. now 13.1 miles yeah. and how did they do? Was it like pulling teeth the whole time or no, what was it like? No, I mean it's trainings in ebb and flow. So it's so mental. It's running is such a mental sport. It's 99 i think well maybe low 90s percent mental um but you really just have to um talk up their you know their ego as much (laughs) as you improve their fitness like you can do this you've got this you you've been this is what you've been training for and you know it's just you have to get them from point a to point b physically and mentally oh so uh, it's just a really cool progression when it when it does happen it's so gratifying i think you know, you're almost more proud of, um, you're just more proud of them than even your own accomplishments when oh, you get yeah. to something like that. So. It's almost sort of like a, uh, you know, patients and clients end up being almost sort of a projection of your work, right? Yeah. They're almost kind of like this, this canvas. And when they win, you kind of feel like you're, you're winning right by their side, right? Yeah. It's kind of like, I remember how far we've come or, you know, it's been such a, it has really, I mean, it sounds so cliche. It's been such a journey, but right. really it's almost like a metamorphosis, right? You know, especially for somebody that's in that beginner category oh, and then they sure. start to ramp up. It's like, Hey, you remember when you didn't think you could run more than, you know, a mile and a half without yeah. passing out in the bush right. or, you know, stopping and walking and everything yeah. like that. And it's crazy. How yeah. do you come up with the routes that you'll run with people? Oh, you know, there isn't much difference in terrain around here unless you go down <laughs> to the bridge or anything. But just some people like repetition. Um, and some people like to vary their routes. I kind of personally, I stick to the same roads because I know every single mile marker. And when I have to add a certain distance, I know which way to, you know, which way to add on. But it's really just personal preference. Um, 
long straightaways are good if you're, you know, working on speed. And then, you know, more scenic routes are good when you're trying to build up distance, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Well, can you walk us through the process? So, I mean, I have attempted running and I used to do triathlons in college and, you know, I am not an endurance athlete by any means. Big boys don't run. So I'm <laughs> I've way heard too... that before, though. <laughs> I've heard that before. It's, uh, it's like a bear rolling down hills. Oh, no. And uh, so tell us a little bit about what the process is like when you're when you're taking somebody through a program. So I know that there are a lot of different aspects to the running coaching that you're doing. Like you mentioned, maybe you're increasing time, you're increasing mileage, you're increasing speed, you're increasing a few dimensions at a time as you slowly optimize this particular runner's performance. Tell us a little bit about, um, you don't have to divulge trade secrets, but no, tell no. us a little bit about, you know, what is it, um, what does the process look like to increase somebody's speed besides just saying, well, listen, we're going to run for 30 minutes and you're just going to run faster than you did last week. I mean, I know that there's more that goes into that. So tell us a little bit about some of the process. Well, I like to get my runners to a point where, you know, they can easily run for half an hour straight, um, you know, three or four miles straight before I involve another element um, like speed work or tempo work. And you basically... Um, during like a speed work session, you'd warm up for a couple miles. Then you would throw in some shorter intervals at a specific speed um, that correlates to their um, kind of like a race pace. Mm -hmm. And then um, you bring it back down to an easy pace and you just go back, flow back and forth between several inter intervals of introducing them to a faster turnover and just getting um, a better idea of the gears they have. You know, mm. so a lot of people just run at the same speed every run, every time. And they don't realize that if they vary um, their training speeds, that's what makes such a huge difference. And so, like, in a race, you know, you you start off slower, you get your mid-range, and towards the end, you really, like, you know, throw the hammer down and, you know change into that next gear and finish off the race. So I like to help them once we've established a good base, then start building in um, just the incremental speed uh, intervals. And then each week you will either increase your amount of intervals or your length. Um, and then you just keep building. That's really cool. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about different gears and how people just lace up and go. And they just, I think people, when they run, I think they just kind of get into their routine. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we all do, right? We're routine creatures. But I think people end up running the same route, the same distance, the same pace. They may, the only thing that seems to change is the songs that they listen right. to, right? And I think that's really cool that you're able to, like you said, kind of unlock people's gears to be yeah. like, you don't have to stay in first gear all the time. Like, Yeah. And a lot of people are running too fast. Um, Interesting. Just because whether they don't want people to see them running slower or something like that. Whereas um, when you are running, most of your miles should be pretty slow. The majority of your miles should be at a very easy conversational pace. And then, that's where your bulk mileage is. And then 20% of your training is at the faster speeds. Interesting. And it carries you carries over into race day, into your performance. So sure. it's, I think of it as a triangle. Um, your, your overall mileage is the base. And your, your mid-range 
endurance pace is boosted by your um, the bottom of the triangle, your overall mileage, and the top range is pulled up by your speed work. So you're kind of mm. stretching, you're growing this triangle with the speed work pulling from the top and the overall mileage boosting you from the bottom. I like that. That's a really cool analogy. Yeah. I so how'd you come up with, did you come up with that? No, I, that... Uh, Peloton instructor was talking about the same thing. Interesting. That's <laughs> yeah. crazy. I yeah. have never, I have never thought of it. But that it way. helps you visualize yeah. your build, yeah. you know, you're training what you're trying to accomplish with the different various, various speeds and the training elements. Mm -hmm. And that's how I like to explain it to people. That's that's crazy. And, you know, I know that uh, tempo training and getting that cadence down has been a big part of the sports medicine world in terms of endurance medicine. And when we talk about injury risk reduction, we talk about the stress to the bones and the joints and ligaments mm -hmm. and things like that. A lot of um, it was for a while, you know, forefoot, midfoot, heel strike in terms of where the initial contact was made. Mm -hmm. More recently, though, a lot of the uh, sports medicine research around running has catered towards tempo training or what cadence to try to decrease the risk and the stress impact on somebody's lower leg mm -hmm. um, and as well as somebody's uh, spine as well. Mm -hmm. Can you speak a little bit to how do you do tempo training? Do you have a metronome or so like an old school piano teacher where you're just out there and it's literally... Yeah, <laughs> well, there are, there are apps for that that you can... Um, Form, uh, have your music conform to a certain cadence. The, the optimal cadence is 180 um, okay. because then the less time you're spending on the ground, the less time you have, the less force of gravity that's going into the ground that you have to pick up. Mm. So I, myself, I, cadence is not my strong suit personally, but when I am doing my speed work, I am hitting that 180. But on a regular run, it's more like 160, which means I have too much hang time. Mm. so it's something i need to work on myself but um and i'll get home and i'll look at it and i'll be like i thought i hit it <laughs> <laughs> tell us a little about 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 that so not everybody's familiar with cadence training tempo training and sort of uh you know the 160 180 tell us a little bit about what those units are how how they're measured can you speak a little bit to that yeah so each foot strike um you're supposed to hit 90 on each side per minute and um so that's okay. Um, so, it's like 90, so it's literally I'm 90 beats it out. per... Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you, if the faster your turnover is, the faster, you, the less time you're spending in the air and the more time you're getting your foot back down, you're faster your cadence. Okay. So, you know, if you're kind of like bouncing through the air, you will have a sh uh, lower cadence. Um, so you want to travel forward and not up. So gotcha. you want to be getting your foot back down and you want your um, stride to be propelling you more forward rather than driving you up into the air and giving you longer hang time. So. Gotcha. So less of a pogo stick yeah. and more of a jackrabbit going yeah. forward then. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So you mentioned too that there are apps that you can actually mm -hmm. use to, to that what do they sync up with like your Spotify or Apple yeah, Music? Yeah, I don't, I've tried several. They, there are a bunch out there. I Sometimes you have to use their music though and it oh, doesn't really? really work out. But there are some that you can, you know, it speeds it up to a certain um, beat and you can follow it. Sometimes I'll just, sometimes I'll tinker with that, but they are out there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, Cause the, uh, yeah. Um, I don't always listen to music when I run. Sometimes I'll listen to podcasts if it's like an easier, easier run. Sure. Um, I was just I, about to ask what yeah. your training is like. 
Yeah. Um, but if I'm doing like race specific um, training, I'll have just like a um, backbeat in the music that is where I think I want to be. And I'll kind of okay. try and stay to that. My whole running pod, uh, my running playlist, it sounds like a different song laid over the same beat. <laughs> oh, they're sort of all blended together yeah. as one well, track. Well, when you go back and listen to them, it's like, well, that sounds like the last song, but just like a different music genre. Like it'll just be the beat in the background will be almost identical. Do you run with music on race day? Yes, you do. So Except my first marathon, mm-hmm. I was taking a picture of, I was taking a picture of the start line and mm-hmm. I had always trained with music and my phone completely froze and no. I I could, didn't have enough time to like fix it and so I ran my entire race without music in the woods of Wisconsin basically by myself with almost no mile or race markers or um so I was just running through neighborhoods in Wisconsin, no music, by myself, asking oh. people, where am I supposed to go? <laughs> oh, my God. Did you even have anybody with the tables handing out Gatorade or anything? Uh, here and there, but it was this first um, time they'd ever run this race. And we were on our way up to a, um, a family vacation. I found a, um, a, a marathon along the way. Okay. And so uh, northern Wisconsin, you know, first marathon this town's ever run. There's like a cone over there. You don't know what you're supposed to do with the cone. And (laughs) someone on a corner a mile up, like, turn here. But that was, it was not, you know, professional. It's like that Dane Cook skit where he's like, oh, yeah, you're going to drive all the way down. There'd be a guy in a yellow poncho named Hank. And you got to Hank and then he'll tell you where to go. And it's like, dude, what is going on? And then midway in the race, one of my IT bands went. So I hopped the second half of the race with no music. (laughs) This is a full marathon. This is twenty. So not only did you not have your music, yeah. now you've got a, a lower leg injury, yeah. and then now I mean it's just. So this was a whirlwind. Yeah. So what was the? I bet that drive was a little uncomfortable on the way oh back. Oh my gosh, it was crazy. But I still finished under four hours. Okay. I, I think it was three forty nine or something. So okay. that was my, you know, first foray into marathoning. But I can't. I kept coming back. <laughs> it didn't deter me. So that's good. Yeah. That's good. What um now you just ran. Last month, you just ran the Boston Marathon. So tell us about that experience. How was that? Oh, gosh. It was my second time in about six months, which is wild because that's never happened before. Um, Last October, it was run for 2021. It had been pushed from April. Um, The Boston Marathon is always run in April on Patriot's Day. Oh, okay. Which is a a New England, you know, uh, Revolutionary War holiday. Um, So... It's they pass, did they pass out tea instead of Gatorade or anything like that? <laughs> no, thankfully. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it's a it's a pretty much a New England, maybe just Massachusetts holiday. Everybody's off from work and they all line the streets. Um, and it's just a whole event up there. And I grew up watching it. I grew up watching my father and my aunt run it. And everybody just goes. It's what you do on, on Patriot's Day, a.k.a. Marathon Monday. Everybody, the whole state just either watches at home or goes to the course. So it's really cool. Who accompanied you this past April then? Uh, Did you go by yourself? This time I went, I met a group up there um, that organizes races for runners called destination marathons. Um, You basically, they, their organization, you show up and they have everything planned for you. It's kind of like a destination wedding. (laughs) Oh, okay. Everything's just ready for you to 
you know, <laughs> prepared for you, outings, meals, hotel, and you just show up and prepare mentally for your race and everything's taken care of. So it's kind of cool. That is cool. Um, yeah. Because uh, I did, which was good for me because I did not have anyone to go with, you know. So you aren't lonely. You aren't, you know, table for one somewhere. <laughs> you don't have to worry. And especially as a woman, you don't have to worry about, like, safety because you're uh, with yeah. the group, stuff like that. So it's okay. really cool. Um but last time in October, my parents were there. And so that was nice because my husband wasn't able to make the trip because our flights were both canceled the Saturday no. before the marathon. He, I was supposed to go out of Tampa on a certain one airline and they canceled all the flights. So I, and I was flying into Boston, but my husband put me on a different airline out of Sarasota into New Hampshire <laughs> so that I could get there in time to get my bib because there was a chance I wouldn't be able to. And until this previous, until this race, this last month, they had never done same day pickup for your bibs because or race day pickup because so many people were unable to get to the race in October. People were driving from, Ohio after flying from California and they had to drive the rest of the way just to make it in time to get their bibs. So, That's wild. Yeah. So people have been up all night <laughs> driving and then had to run the marathon. Making sure, right. But they were not going to miss it. You yeah. don't miss the Boston Marathon. No, because you have to qualify for it. It's you a qualifier. do. Yes. So what was your qualifying race to qualify for Boston? You know, I used the same race for both, uh, both Boston marathons I've run now. I used Disney 2020, which was one of the last marathons, um, before the world shut down for the pandemic okay so there's usually a pretty tight window time window for the races you can use for the upcoming year like six months or uh, it... it's usually about a year-ish um, okay. but they had to extend it really far because no not a lot of races you know were being run sure in-person races lots of virtual races but um so yeah i use the same race for so this was at Disney, you said? Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. what was, uh, where did you go in Disney? Or tell us about the Disney, it was a Disney marathon, right? Right. So. I've done two of them. Um, you run through all four parks and it's really early in the morning. Disney races are infamous for their early starts. I think you have to get up at like 2.30 in the morning. I haven't done anything crazy like the Goofy Challenge, which is four days of racing. Oh God. I just like to focus <laughs> on one race, get in, get out. Okay. And I'm not going to do any, uh, you know, Ironmans anytime soon where it's multi- in multifaceted but um, sure i like to i work play to my strengths and i just stick to one race but um yeah so it's really cool there's a lot of character stops and mm -hmm. i typically don't stop at the characters and i keep pushing but sure. um but yeah it, this uh past january i guess january 2020 was really really warm so a lot of people traveled down for the race so they weren't prepared for that so they had to close down the course, actually, but I had already gone through where they closed. Um, but it worked out well for me. I came in seventh woman because, um, you know, I train in those conditions all the time. Right. It's always a swamp down yeah. there. That's nothing new. Yeah. yeah. So that was my highest finish in a pretty big race. So I was excited about that. I've come, I've come in second in a marathon before. Really? Actually, first in a trail marathon for women. Second um, woman in a, a Space Coast marathon, but... 
Uh, I was really proud of Disney because I it was my first larger race com- doing in uh, coming in top ten, and I won my age group, so I got a big Disney plaque and stuff like that. That's awesome! Yeah, congrats! Thanks. That's really cool. Thank you. You mentioned trail mar- marathon and another marathon. Do you prefer running on the trail versus on the road, or my trail marathon was my first time ever running on a trail, and I hope to never run on a trail again. <laughs> really? I mean, I know it's it's more yeah. difficult, right? Because you've got the terrain. Oh my gosh! Surfaces I know that, that there are so many runners out there that prefer it. Mm-hmm. I just was not prepared, and it was just not a best first experience. So maybe I'll get back there someday, <laughs> but I'm still letting the the scars wear off. Oh <laughs> yeah, I did one trail race. It was like a five miler, and yeah. it was it was all that was enough for me. It was yeah. like you know you're going over a, a creek, and then you know all of a sudden the rock that you're standing on starts to get wobbly. And oh I'm yeah. Like, oh my goodness, I, mean, I can't contend with me dying in terms of breathing yes. and the energy and then it's like my ankles and my calves were so sore oh for gosh. like three days afterwards so. the me- the flashbacks are not <laughs> are not pretty my husband was actually you know handing out water at one of the stops and at mile 17 and i was begging him to let me quit and i was second overall in the race at that point. really yeah and i just it was so overwhelming just i mean you prepare mentally to run for, you know, three to four hours, but right. you don't prepare mentally to be running through like chest high weeds, not knowing where <laughs> you're going. And then like, it was so crazy. But, um, and then at one point I remember this man came up to, came up past me. I had never walked so much in a race before. I, really? This, yeah. It's, I've never, I think I walked a total of five miles in that race. Cause Holy I was crap. just, Yeah. Um, but at one point when I was running towards the end, I was running, looking over my shoulder and he's like, and this man came up and he's like, are you waiting for somebody? I'm like, no, I'm waiting for the second woman because I knew I was first woman at this point. I'm waiting for her because I'm not going to let her pass me after all this. So, oh my God. Yeah. But so I got this really cool trophy at the end for coming in first woman. And that's, what, you know, that's up there in my, in my trophy collection because of how hard and awful for me personally the race was yeah what a fun experience though that's that's really cool so uh does your husband run with you is he he a runner he has run i call him a marathoner by marriage i have forced him into two marathons so he he also ran um one of the disney marathons and he ran the chicago marathon he's from chicago so that was a big deal for him and he raised uh, a lot of money for the um, Project Purple, which is the Pancreatic Cancer Foundation. His father passed away from pancreatic cancer. So oh, no it meant a lot to him to be able to raise funds for that organization. What a cool experience. Yeah. Did you did you guys run together or did you just kind of, hey, listen, I'm going to do my thing with my, yeah, you know, drop the Yeah, he doesn't playlist. run with me. He got, um, he stopped running with me when I would be pushing the running stroller with several kids in it and I was ahead of him. And he's like, that's <laughs> it. I'm not running with you anymore. So he refuses. The male pride is fragile, right? <laughs> you know, our, our male egos, we can only take yeah. so much, right? Neighbors would be heckling them. It was just, it was a whole thing. And so, yeah, we don't run together. <laughs> and plus with the four kids, it's hard to, I guess they're a little older now, but, you know, somebody has to watch them. So. There's kid management yeah. that needs to happen, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, we mentioned a little bit about what it was like to train a beginner runner into kind of that couch to 5K, into that potential half marathon or more of that, uh, that distance running. What is it like working with somebody that's already been running for a while? So we have some listeners that may be like, hey, you know what? I can, I'm can. i not a couch to 5K. Or I can run five, six miles without stopping. Or maybe that's just something they do once mm-hmm. or twice a week. What is it like to work with a more experienced runner? What does your process look like? Well, 
For more experienced runners, you have to make sure they are running at the appropriate speeds and the appropriate amount of mileage. And it's a lot of just like, you know, being a sounding board for them. Am I doing this right? How does my nutrition match up to what I'm trying to accomplish? What do you think about these shoes? What do you think about this gear, this water backpack? Do you think that'll help? Um, it's a lot of just using the tips I've picked up over, you know, the amount of years that I've been running and just give them aid with that as well as um, coming up with the um, appropriate variables in their training training mm -hmm. plan. So. Do most of the runners that you work with, do they have a particular race in mind that they're training for? Or do you have some people that are just running fitness enthusiasts, right? That just like to run just to keep in shape. I have both. Some, okay. some I work with and then we find races that will kind of fit into where we are at and something give us something to work towards and it gives them a goal and it keeps them engaged. And then others, they do have a hard goal. And, mm -hmm. you know, you work towards preparing them so that they aren't, you know, peaking too early mm -hmm. in terms of their race date and have them, you know, tapered well enough so that they can hit their, um, their desired pace on race day, stuff like that. So. Right, right. Well, tell us a little bit more about what's next for you. So right now you've got a great clientele, you've got a great base, you've got runners that you're running with, you've got your own training. What's on the horizon? What's next for Carolyn and the, uh, the running program? Well, I think I... In the mean, I have the New York City Marathon in November. It's one of the six world majors. This will be my third world major. The others, I've done, the six world majors are Tokyo, London, Berlin, Germany, uh, Chicago, Boston, and New York. So oh, wow. I'll have all of the U.S. ones done as of November. Um, I was supposed to do New York in 2020. I qualified, you can qualify as a time qualifier for New York. Um, but it was canceled, so oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> it got pushed off a couple of years. Um, so I'll be doing that. I need to run, a, I would like to run another half marathon soon. My time is a little old and I think I can drop it up quite a bit. So yeah, yeah just for, you know, personal purposes, I'd like to drop my half marathon time a little. So okay. it doesn't really match up with my marathon. It, it It's kind of like uneven with all my other times. So I'd like to bring that down a little. Do you have, so I know, uh, for example, in the weightlifting world, they'll say, you know, your uh, squat should be a certain percentage of your body weight and your squat should be proportionate in a certain way with your deadlift. When you look at something like a half marathon or a marathon uh, time, is there kind of a correlation as well? Or do you simply just I doubt you can just simply multiply your half marathon no, by two. No, no, you know, there's formulas out there, and it, it does correlate a little bit. You can get an idea. Okay. Um, but a miler who does, like, a, a four-minute mile, it doesn't always correlate to, you know, a 205 marathon, you know. Right. It, I mean, there's just so much between A and B that, yeah. you know, to progress through. But okay. But it'll give you a ballpark, Race times will give you a ballpark for the other races. And a lot of times in training, you will use a race time, you know, say at the higher the mileage of the race, it's a better prediction for a race that is um, further in mileage. So a half marathon race time is a good predictor of your um, marathon outcome where rather than like a 5K time. It's not. Sure. It, it just helps to have it a longer distance to 
That makes sense. Yeah. So tell us a little bit, because so normally we ask people, you know, what their favorite place around town is to eat. But for you, I think a more pertinent question is, where's your favorite place? Well, first of all, where's your favorite place to run? I, you know, I can run anywhere. Honestly, I kind of use it to zone out and think about other things or not thinking about anything, really. <laughs> Blank like, space. <laughs> yes. After, you know, driving my kids to swimming for five, six hours every night. Um I can run anywhere. I, you know, some places I don't run on really busy roads because, you know, you don't want to deal with getting hit and all. Sure. Um, but Benderson Park's really nice. Mm -hmm. um, even just like the, the straightaways like White Eagle that haven't, that aren't, or Uline now, um, mm. that just are really open and not too busy during the day and just, you know, wide, wide sidewalks if you can't go in the bike lane. Um, it's better to run on the asphalt then sidewalks fyi really um, yeah the give the give oh. the asphalt um just anywhere you can have space to run and not get hurt and <laughs> you know <laughs> not get bit by a dog which i've had happen to me oh before. god oh god a german shepherd <laughs> oh, um you know wherever you can be safe zone out and just kind of do your thing Sure. And then where's your favorite place to get shoes from? So that's a big thing about shoe place or shoe store recommendations. Well, I always um, get the same brand. I get Ultras. Um, they have a wider toe box and they just work with my foot. Um, they do have those at Fit to Run. Um, but I personally, I go right to the company itself. But Foot uh, Fit to Run does have a, a good spectrum of of. of uh, shoes available, models available. So, Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit more about where people can find out more information about you or maybe they're interested in working with you or learning more about you. How can people find that out or even get in touch with you? Yeah, so I have um, an active Instagram page. It's it's uh, called Are You That Runner, um, which stems from people in my neighborhood seeing me at, <laughs> non, uh, at you know, functions and they would always turn their head sideways and look at me strangely for about a minute and be like, are you that runner? <laughs> because in Florida, you can't really run with a lot of clothing on. So when they see me in normal clothing and without a hat, and without sunglasses and without my water backpack, they're, they're kind of like, I feel like I've seen you before, but I can't place you. And then they put two and two together. And after about the 50th time being asked, are you that runner? That's what I made my Instagram page. So. That's genius. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, we'll be sure to put that in the show notes as well. So people can check you out on Instagram. Yeah. They can see some pictures. They can reach out to you or shoot you a DM in terms of uh, sure. working with you or Definitely. just talking more about running. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Carolyn, no for coming aboard. I really appreciate your time today. It was fun. Thank you. Hey, real quick, before you go, I just want to say thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share with others by taking a screenshot of this episode and posting it to your story on Instagram and tagging at Tideline Sports Performance so we can repost it. And to stay up on all the latest from us, make sure you follow at Tideline Sports Performance on Instagram and Facebook. And of course, make sure you like and subscribe to this podcast. All right, guys, catch you next episode.